How's it going, everybody? My name is uh, Nick Griffin. I'm the lead pastor at Wayfarers Christian Church. Welcome to our weekly deep dive podcast. This is a podcast where we uh, take some time to, to take a deeper dive into the topics that we've been discussing in our Sunday sermons and, you know, talk about some things that just didn't get a chance to, 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 to get fit into that Sunday message. Today, I am joined by our teaching pastor, Noah Randolph. What's up, everyone? And we have a special guest with us today, actually. My friend uh, Tom Stolaric is here with us. Hey. So Tom is the uh, the minister at Crockett Mills Christian Church. Um, right. We got a chance to meet Several years ago, I think it was. I was a, yeah, it's been a while. I, I was a student at um, at here at Mid South Christian College, and we were doing a um, these like seminar type classes that mm-hmm. were supposed to be open to the to the public to other people from the area. And I think Tom was the only one in the in the city <laughs> that took a <laughs> right yeah that, that took him up on that opportunity. But it yeah. was fun. We got to hang out. Do you even remember what the class was, Tom? I don't uh, something to do with leadership, I think. Okay. I don't even remember. I was trying to remember. We, yeah, I think I had... That's that's as that sounds specific right. as that I sounds can get. That's that, that sounds something with good. leadership. Something about leadership. We were in we were in a, a class together. We got to hang out. Um, I loved hanging out with Tom. Realized we had a lot of similar ways of looking at things. Um, Tom is also kind of a a gearhead guy mm. like me about cameras and drones and all kinds of other things like that. Yep. So we we connect over a lot of that stuff too. We've stayed in touch over the years, but. Uh, I appreciate the work that uh, Tom is doing at, at his church as well. Um, I love the the kind of community that he's building there. It's kind of this small town church, and mm, yeah. um, and Tom, you're also doing uh, you do some adult education stuff, right? Yes, correct. I'm also Can, an adult educating. Um, explain a little bit what what that. Job so is. it's it's basically like a GED program. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm an instructor for uh, Northwest Tennessee Adult Education. So I cover Dyer and Crockett County. Awesome. Uh, so basically, yeah, for any adult that didn't graduate high school that's trying to get their high school equivalency diploma, yeah, uh, it's what basically used to be called GED. It's not GED anymore, okay. but basically that's that's, that's the, what everybody knows it as. Sure. Yeah. So that's kind of what we still awesome. refer to it as sometimes. Mm. Perfect. And so I love that too. I love um, that passion you have for education in general. And like I said, Tom's got had uh, me and him think similarly, and I thought it'd be fun to bring him in uh, on on our topic today. So um, this last Sunday, Noah is actually the one that got to preach. He did a really awesome sermon. We got a lot of good response from it, um, where he was talking about a passage in the Sermon on the Mount. We've been going through the Sermon on the Mount in our sermon series, and in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has this one particular passage where he addresses uh, fasting. Um, I don't know if you want to kind of just summarize quickly some of the points you made in that sermon, Noah. Yeah, yeah, go yeah. Deeper? yeah, sure. Um, simply put, we talked about fasting and their time was completely different than in our time. Uh, a lot of the uh, ways that they would fast was very uh, ritualistic. Uh, they would use like festivals um, and ways of uh, fasting that uh, for us today probably don't do I don't think there's like a holiday where we fast or anything like right. that. So, and by ritualistic, you mean like, like organized. It's stru- mm-hmm. structured at specific times yes. and specific ways. Exactly, exactly. So, uh, we talked about just the difference in that Jesus expects people to be regularly fasting. Where today in our culture, that's not necessarily the case anymore. Uh, and then I jumped straight in after that, kind of explaining what I felt like fasting meant a little bit in their time, uh, to talking about some of the issues that uh, Jesus had with fasting in particular and how he is very focused on not demonstrating these Christian practices publicly. Uh, and so we talked about uh, several different issues uh, related to that, um, just how a Christian should act um, in a public space or how a Christian should behave privately and how those two should align with one another and not be sort of separated from one another. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And we talked a lot about how these disciplines like fasting and um, solitude and these types of things have a tendency to be very showy and very out in the open. And so we, we have to be really careful when we look at these because they do have a tendency to be, yeah, just 
a way to demonstrate that you're following the Christian faith, which seems to be um, something Jesus wants to be a little bit more secret. So, yeah, yeah. I, I loved one of the points you made um, where you, you pointed out how at the end of this passage, Jesus says, uh, connects this idea of, of doing this fasting practice, having it be done in secret. Mm-hmm. And you pointed out that it's connected to the last couple of things he talked about giving money to the poor. Mm-hmm. He talks about don't let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. He also talked about um, prayer. Prayer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what's the second one? I forgot <laughs> what he talked about. <laughs> he talked about the importance of prayer, praying uh, in secret, not in public, in a showy way. Mm-hmm. And he kind of ends with this third point of fasting and not doing it in this public and showy way. And ultimately, he connects it to this idea that of, of God, the God who is unseen. And I loved the point you made that... Um, that God does almost everything he does in this unseen secret way, a way that we can't see or realize. Um, and our, uh, job as Christians is kind of to emulate that in certain ways. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, think of all the blessings, all the amazing things God has done for us and almost nobody sees it except for us. And yeah. we get this opportunity to do these things in secret. We may not get the praise of men. Yeah. Uh, the, you might not get that immediate satisfaction, but we know that we, that God sees us and that he's, especially with us. the Holy spirit, I would say of all the members of the Trinity, he's like the most silent of the three. So it's, it, I definitely was kind of thinking about the Holy spirit in particular when I was making that point, but yeah. And so the, I love the, I loved that point and that, that connection with us getting that opportunity to do things in secret. Mm-hmm. But what we wanted to talk about today, um, as, as Noah, as me and you were talking about your sermon preparations, you pointed out that fasting itself is kind of confusing. You tried mm-hmm. to do some historical study on mm-hmm. what the purpose of fasting was for the Jews or for some of the early Christians or even some people today. And we're finding things kind of all over the place, right? Yeah, very much so. Um, there's this uh, piece of literature that we have from around the first century called the Didache. Um, you can go and Google it right now. It's D I D O C H E, I think. Uh, D I D A C H E. I always pronounce it Didache in my head so that I know how to spell it. <laughs> I always heard it pronounced Didache. Didache. Okay. That may be right. Okay. Um, yeah, I've heard it multiple ways but (laughs) um, yeah you can go google it because it's all online and it's like free pdf that you can go read and it's actually really short like it would take you like maybe like five minutes to read the whole thing it's it's not that long but uh i uh there's a whole section well let me explain what it is first so it's a document that explains a lot of how first century christians took the teachings of jesus and the early apostles and uh how they saw those as a way to run their churches. And so it's kind of like the first, I guess, Westminster catechism, you know, in a sense, like, you I know, I've heard some people talk about it that way. Tom had a good, we were mm-hmm. talking about this off camera right before you came on and mm-hmm. Tom mentioned, you know, a good comparison. It's almost like a, like a quick handbook, uh, like a, like a, a new member's handbook. Type yeah. Thing yeah. That, yeah. That it's like the new member's handbook that they would pass you. There you go. Yeah. yeah yep. That's perfect. That's a great example. <laughs> yeah. So it basically shows us just how they thought and what they were thinking through when it came to different issues in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, there's a section on prayer. There's a section on fasting. Um, and there's sections on the Lord's Supper and how to work through the Lord's Supper. But um, mm-hmm. the one on fasting is very funny in my opinion because you can tell that they probably I, I I'm just gonna say it I don't think they really got what Jesus was communicating with it because all it is is two lines on how they're supposed to fast and the specific instructions is that they're supposed to fast only on I believe it's Monday and Friday because you're not supposed to fast on Tuesday and Thursday <laughs> because if you do that that's when the hypocrites fast and we don't want to fast on the same days as the hypocrites so it's the only <laughs> st- structure that they give for fasting is don't fast on these very specific days mm. when the hypocrites are fasting and the interesting thing is historically as we've studied it does seem like the common practice amongst the Jews was to fast on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. So, you I think know, I've got that wrong. I'll go back and look at that. Yeah, but yeah. I don't remember which <laughs> there were two specific days that the mm-hmm. Jews would fast 
all of them would. It was just common in this ritualistic mm-hmm. way, like you said. And so it's clear who they're kind of like subtweeting, like who they're like yeah. calling out <laughs> in this moment. Um, and that, right. that's the only point they got out of it was just like, hey, uh, don't fast on those two days. We're going to pick two other days. <laughs> <laughs> We're totally different from that. Yeah. <laughs> two, two, two completely different days. Um, and and so uh, what it emphasizes, though, I think, interestingly, it's kind of funny that, you mm-hmm. know, we're like, well, I'm not sure if that's what Jesus actually meant. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I don't... Uh, what, what it helps to emphasize for us is that fasting was this regular practice that even the early Christians were, right. were a part of. And that's very different from our context um, in, like, the modern American mm-hmm. evangelical church. Um, I, I believe I may have tried fasting once or twice in my whole life. Oh, wow. Um, have you ever fasted? Yeah, life? yeah. I have done it several times. Um, it, it It's an interesting experience, especially because you realize just how much food is like a part of your daily, like... W- mental health even you yeah. know there's there's a lot of there's a lot of how you respond emotionally to things that uh i think are directly correlated to food in general um and yeah it's it's pretty eye opening when it comes to things interesting like that. have you ever had a ch- fasted tom i have not no never. I've, I've never done it yeah mm. and i think that's pretty common i think uh, i don't remember the exact numbers but i mean the majority of american christians just don't have that as a part of their mm day-to-day practices i haven't done it very long there are some people i've watched on like youtube and things that'll have gone like the full 40 days and you can't do it immediately you've got to like build up to it you've got to like fast for like like a week on and then a week off and like slowly build up Mm. your body essentially Mm -hmm. to get used to it but there are people that can fast for 40 days Uh, and i watch several people on youtube you can go look up people that fast for 40 days and it's really impressive like it's it's kind of like prepping for a marathon in a sense what they do and their whole description of like what actually comes out of it is really interesting they say like the first week is the worst week Hmm. um because like your body's just so used to food and so it's kind of detoxing uh and then the second and third and fourth weeks are actually a breeze Hmm. because your body's kind of used to not surviving off of food anymore and then that pushing towards the 40 mark your body does start to like shut down and that's mm-hmm. when that's when it gets really hard again it's like because you're less. dying you're yeah dying. You're, 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 you're basically, <laughs> starvation basically yeah so it, it's a weird thing where it's like if you can get past the first week and the last week the middle is actually pretty easy to get through it's it's super interesting mm. and so yeah we realized it's not very common for us mm-hmm. it obviously seems to have been very common for the early christians and the jews of jesus's day and age um like you pointed out jesus just kind of assumes they're going to be fasting when yeah. he's talking to the jews of his day um and so our desire was to try to understand kind of what is the the purpose of fasting mm-hmm. especially um but as you were studying it you realized uh, if I'm characterizing it correct, Noah, you you kind of realized there's not really a consensus on that. There really isn't. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I, I could ask both of you. I think you already know, but do y'all know like the first instance of fasting in the Bible? What it is? I don't. You uh, mentioned it, but I don't remember what it was. Okay. I can't think of it now. The first instance is not even really a. It's kind of. It's kind of a ritual, but it's not. It's um, Moses going up on top of Mount Sinai, receiving the Ten Commandments, and he doesn't eat food Mm. or have any drink for 40 days or 40 nights. And that's the first instance of uh, we have any uh, story of a human um, going through, like, foregoing food or drink for a long period of time. Mm. So, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Mm -hmm. And so... And that one, of course, is related to, like, holiness, right? Because the mountain's holy. No one can go up it. Like, you can can see that, like, in some senses, fasting is sort of Moses' response to the holiness of the space. Being in the presence of God. In the presence of God or whatnot. Um, Yeah. So, it's really interesting. So, I guess what I wanted to start out with was maybe all of us just... Like you said, there's no consensus, mm-hmm. but I'm sure we've heard different things. Um, what, when you have heard people talk about the purpose of fasting, what 
what are the purposes that you have heard? What what is what is the point? What is the purpose of fasting? You may have heard from other people. I don't know if you want to start, Tom. Have you? Oh, uh, sure. Yeah, heard um, from other people. What is the purpose of fasting? Yeah, I had a, a friend of mine actually that I knew in Florida. He had gone on a mission trip to Haiti, and there was a guy that he met in Haiti, a Christian in Haiti, that mm-hmm. uh, had fasted for forty days, mm-hmm. and just described it as this you know amazing experience that brought him closer to God. Um, yeah. And so he wanted to try it himself. And so he did it too, um, and fasted for forty days. And I don't know if he did the buildup like you were talking about. I think he, he just, just went straight. In. I think he just went Dang. for it. Um, so he said it was pretty rough. It, it mm. was it was definitely not easy. He was already a pretty skinny guy, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, he was super thin after that. Mm. Um, but yeah, he said he didn't quite have the same experience um, that he was kind of hoping for. I think that mm-hmm. kind of like amazing kind of mountaintop experience. Um, but he said, you know, he was glad he did it, mm-hmm. but I don't know if he was planning on doing, on doing it again. <laughs> doing it again. It was kind of a, a one-time experience for so, him. So that situation is an attempt to draw closer to God. Right. Is kind of what the purpose right. of And, and I can that, totally understand that. I think, you know, 40 days obviously is, is a pretty extreme amount of time. Yeah. You can obviously do it, you know, just a day or a shorter amount of time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the idea of kind of putting aside distractions or putting aside, you know, other things that, uh, so often take our focus, you know, right. that we're so, you know, kind of focused on meeting that need that our, our physical body needs and foregoing that in order to, um, try to focus on, on spiritual things and focus on being closer to God, I think is definitely a relevant, um, mm-hmm. practice. Right. And that's what I've always heard. That That's one of the things I've heard is just that it's like, we need food to live. Mm-hmm. You know, it's an important thing. We need we need food to survive. So uh, fasting is giving up something that you need mm, right. with an understanding of the greater need that is God and relationship with him and um, being in his presence and all that kind of stuff. Right. It's sort of like mm-hmm. a, a physical way we can express the fact that we need God more than we need yeah. food even. And we can kind of forego some of those needs that we may have. And try to go for uh, drawing close to God. So that's definitely one of the ones I've heard. Mm-hmm. I, one of the things I've heard from some people is that they do fasting as a form of self-discipline almost, as a mm-hmm. form of uh, achieving higher levels of control over their own desires and their own body. So, you know, um, we have this desire to, to eat and uh, and, and, and fasting is a way to sort of like, I think what I've heard is, you know, the apostle Paul has a, uh, a, a famous line where he talks about beating his body into submission. Yeah. I know? was actually just thinking of that passage. I was yeah. going to bring it up. Yeah. But yeah. That idea of kind of battling your, your physical physicality, right. you know, those, those desires you have. Right. And so I think a lot of people, I've heard people connect it, um, with that specifically, and they'll talk about, um, fasting as a way to do that. And, um, the one time I did a pretty extended fast, that was my, what I had in mind, so Mm. to speak for me, you know, I, uh, I'm a little overweight, still am. I've been working (laughs) on it, trying to work on my own (sighs) temptations and desires. And, um, It was, uh, I had been learning a little bit about the Christian practice of Lent leading up to, yeah. mm. um, to Easter. And I, and I knew that I wanted to try to kind of give up, I wanted to try to bring some of those desires into control a right. little bit more. And so I, I did something weird, which is like, I, I took a practice that's more common in Islam actually, mm. uh, in, in Islam during Ramadan, they do this fast from, from sun up to sundown. So while the right. sun is up, they don't eat, but as soon as the sun goes down, they yeah. eat whatever. And so that's what I did. I did it for the period of Lent. I would not eat from sun up to sundown. Mm-hmm. And um, it was uh, an interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say it did prove to me that, you know, like you don't have to have that um that like I wasn't going to die if I didn't, if I went hungry, <laughs> you know, like, cause I think that's my own feeling sometimes it's like, right. I gotta eat something right now or I'm going to die tomorrow. <laughs> like, um, and so it, it proved to me a little bit of that, 
But it was a very interesting experience for me when it comes to, it obviously did not solve my issues with controlling my own desires for food. Mm-hmm. And and that's actually something you brought up on Sunday, Noah. You referenced a, a verse in Colossians, Colossians mm-hmm. that has um, a similar uh, uh, message 2, to it, right? 16. Yeah, let me pull that up because... It's funny. You said that I was the one that had brought it up to you, mm-hmm. you the first time, and I was like, "Oh yeah, I f- vaguely remember that." <laughs> well, um, you you had said that Brent had brought it up to you. Yeah, we had a professor here yeah. at the school, Brent, who I was talking with him about fasting, and he brought up this verse in Colossians, hmm. which it's hard to know exactly what Paul is talking about in this verse, mm-hmm. but um, it, it seems clear that some of the, the people in the church there in, in Colossae were um, becoming very stringent about adherence to certain rules, yeah. you know, not eating certain things. Maybe it was certain fasts or avoiding certain foods and doing all the festivals, possibly the Jewish mm-hmm. festivals. They, they, they're they pretty sure he's referencing that because he mentions new moon festivals and Sabbaths, mm. which okay. is kind of the... Yeah, I think I know what passage you're talking yeah. about. Yeah. And so he says in verse 16... <clears throat> Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. I want to read a little bit more because I thought this was interesting too. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you. Such a person goes into great detail about what they have seen. They are puffed up by their idle notions, by their unspiritual mind. They have lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. Mm. And so my understanding of that passage is it seems like there are some people that were trying to force all the people in that church to, to follow certain rules, to maybe yeah. follow the Jewish festivals, to be very strict about Sabbath keeping and mm. about what they eat or don't eat or drink or don't drink. Um, and the, the part that always really impacted me when Brent said it and what we've talked about is that uh, he, Paul references those things as a shadow mm-hmm. and the reality of that shadow is, is found in Christ. There's himself. some Plato there. <laughs> yeah, actually, that's true. I've never thought about that connection. Yeah. That's a whole nother thing. But, um, uh, so Look up so, Plato's cave. If you want to know what we're talking yeah, about, there's allegory of the cave by Plato. <laughs> We've t- no, and I've talked about this a lot at other points in time. Um, but I'm curious, what, what do y'all think Paul means by that? That what what should that mean as far as our practices that those things are a shadow and the the reality is found in Christ because mm. i've always kind of struggled with that a little bit does that mean we shouldn't do any of these things anymore you know i think about that a lot i know certain christians that are real strict about like sabbath keeping they're like right. seventh day i'm always going to take a a break no matter what it's very important to me mm. right and it's interesting that paul includes sabbath as one of those shadow things yeah. <laughs> that the reality is found in Christ. And that's been a little bit freeing for me in some points in time, just to know sure. that, that the experience we have of living with Christ should open us up to not having to have those kind of um, strict connections. And um, there's another passage. I can't remember if it's in Colossians where um, Paul says that those sort of things don't actually have any, ability to restrain sensual indulgences or something like that. Let me see if I can find it. It's definitely in Colossians. I can't remember. I do think Uh, it's interesting how little actual like commandments as far as like ritualistic type things there are in the New Testament. There really isn't a whole lot as far as, you know, you need to, you know, pray this amount of times or, or, you know, do these certain things on these days. There really Mm -hmm. isn't a whole lot. You know, we're, we're given a lot of freedom, I think. That's a great that way, point. you know. Absolutely. Like, it's like the... Sometimes it's frustrating, you know? Sometimes I'm like, I wish Paul had just clearly said just it. Or Jesus had just been like, all <laughs> right. right, every Sunday you guys need to do this. <clears throat> sing three songs, have a sermon, and... and uh, <laughs> the and sermon do... needs to have three points. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It would be nice if there had been a little bit more rules. But that is a great point, right. you know? 
it is interesting how little specific instruction there is. That's part of what that Didache Didache, was trying to do is like, here's some rules (laughs) (laughs) to help clarify it a little bit Mm -hmm. um, because people were unsure. Well, and a lot of different congregations were doing it differently, I think. Right. Like you had the church in Antioch that was different than the church in Rome and the church in Corinth and all of them. I mean, I think that's kind of why you get the, it's kind of hard to take all of Paul's different letters and like try and form them together into like mm. one theology, you know, right. like, because like, you know, it seems as if he was writing specific instructions to each church, right? not trying to write like a systematic piece on everything. Right. Uh, and so I don't know. I, I've just noticed that like Paul only talks about like worship as much as he does in Corinthians doesn't really mention that in like Ephesians, you know, like right. there's just different things that he's saying specific things. To yeah. Specific yeah. Yeah. Church. Yeah. Right. And, and so it just seems interesting that like each church has their own sort of way. I'm that you can kind of read under the text of what Paul's saying that sort of goes to that point, I think a little bit, but yeah. So this is the verse I was thinking of. It's actually just the very next verse after I stopped reading. Oh, really? So, <laughs> should have just kept going a little bit longer. But it says here, Since you died with Christ to the elemental spiritual forces of this world, mm-hmm. why, as though you still belonged to the world, do you submit to its rules? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These rules, which have to do with things that are all destined to perish with use, are based on merely human commands and teachings. Mm. Such regulations indeed have an appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, their false humility, and their harsh treatment of the body. Mm -hmm. But they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. That's good. And so um, that is interesting to me how how strongly worded that is Mm -hmm. for Paul. They lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. And so at least for that, uh, that other idea of fasting as a way to restrain our desires and, you know. Yeah, and that's kind of why I drew that point in the sermon the way I did, where I was like, I don't think this has anything to do with developing your your spiritual life is the way I put it, which in my head, what I meant by that was exactly that. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I don't think this has anything to do with developing your ability to be more self-controlled. You yeah. Know? And, and I liked what you said that you, you felt like fasting should not be something you do to become more holy. Yeah. But it's rather should be a result of the work that God is yeah. doing in, in our lives and in mm. our hearts. I'm like, it's not, it's not the cause that leads to the effect right. It is the effect of, you know, which definitely, yeah, I was thinking back as I walked like, you know, I'll go and re-listen to my sermons and I was thinking about, man, I offended so many Catholics and Methodists <laughs> when I said that, but you know, it's hard. It's like, you know, you know, there's different denominations that think differently about different things, but, uh, yeah, that's, it's just one that I had to come down on with that issue because both Catholics and Methodists think the opposite. They think that developing, doing the spiritual practices does lead to more spiritual benefits and things like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting to think through that, but, um, with all of that kind Mm -hmm. of as, as a, as a general idea of Mm -hmm. what we may have heard, um, we, we all three kind of spent a little bit of time doing some research over the last week and stuff like that on what maybe some of the the early church or the Jews yeah. thought the purposes of, um, of fasting were, and I, I don't know, I'm curious just from y'all's own experience too, not from like immediately like other people we know, but historically, mm-hmm. what have we heard people believed 
were the were the reasons for fasting? Have you heard anything in particular, Tom? Uh, yeah, one of the things that I came across uh, as far as like a, a reason for fasting had to do with a grief. You know, hmm. those who were going through a period of grief or in distress um, would fast, and and I don't know if that was uh, just kind of like part of a physical response to that grief as well. Cause mm-hmm. I think, you know, those who are grieving, you know, yeah. the appetite's just not there. Yeah, I've heard that when you're going through um, a period of grief, you're just not hungry. Yep. Right. So yep. yeah. Uh, mourning the passing of a loved one, something like that, uh, mm-hmm. that fasting often would be kind of associated with that time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, so. I've also heard that, um, that connection with grief and Noah, you had done a lot of research in it too. What were some things you were finding? Historically? Uh, like in the, in the Bible in particular, um, people can go and look up the story of Hannah in first Samuel. Um, that's an example of what you're talking about where, um, Hannah, uh, her story is that she is, uh, in a polygamous relationship with one man. Uh, and she's the first wife, but, um, this man has two wives and uh her the other wife in the picture has multiple children and in their culture and in their time uh children was like the status symbol for a woman um and it was sort of their crown and joy their their pride was in their children and uh hannah didn't have any children and so she was she and you can tell like her husband loves hannah more than the second uh, wife and, and and you're kind of the Bible sort of indicates probably uh, this is an inference on my part but it seems to indicate that the only reason that the husband took a second wife was to have children um, and uh, so you can see that Hannah is very uh, grieved about this and so she fasts um, and uh, prays to the Lord like day and night really to have a child. Um, and it's a really beautiful passage. I think we actually read it once when we did the whole Beatitudes yeah. uh, thing where I, we, I went through blessed are the people that mourn. Mm. Um, but mm. um, yeah, for you can see for her, fasting is not about developing you know, self-discipline <laughs> <laughs> or about uh, right. anything like that. It is about uh, extreme grief. Um, and, and I've seen that, like I've had that happen in my life where there have been moments in my life where, uh, I've been so grieved that, uh, you can't really eat anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not even really, a, uh, it's, it's not even, I wouldn't even describe it as like a choice. Like it's, it's almost as if like food, just like there are even passages that say like food turns to ash in your mouth kind of thing. Uh, about the only thing I could get down during that extreme period of grief was milk. That was about the only only mm-hmm. thing I could really get um, down. But, uh, yeah, so I, I, I think there is something just very natural about it, you know? Like, I, I, I wonder if that one in particular, that reason, just kind of happened as a result of an intense period of grief. And then people saw that this was what happened and then began to do it more regularly mm-hmm. as a result of it just happening naturally. Because it happened naturally for me, like, yeah. Yeah. So... Um, grief that that one I like because a lot of people. I feel like grief in particular is one that's done so uh, in your head. You know, mm-hmm. like it's not really very. It's not. There's a way to get out your anger, which is go to the gym. You know, right. and like you just punch a couple things, you run. <laughs> you know, you do a lot of things, but there's not a lot of physical expulsions of grief. You right. know. Um, and, uh, so I really like fasting as a way to, you know, sort of expunge your grief. Yeah. I think especially in our culture, uh, grief doesn't have a lot of yeah physical outlets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it does seem like it had it more so in the Bible though. I mean, mm-hmm. they would, you know, rip their clothing. They, yeah. They would put ashes on their head. I mean, there was, there was mm-hmm. much more of an outward crying. They would even, um, you know, have people come in to like kind of wail you know they'd have like wailing like where yeah. they would yeah. just like very very vocal outcries mm-hmm. of grief you know um yeah because wasn't even i think it's mentioned a little bit later in the new testament but isn't uh wasn't it common in that first century time to have 
paid like mourners <laughs> right. at your yep. Yep. at your funeral that would just yep. like wail, wail and cry yeah. and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Yeah, if you were wealthy, then you could <laughs> really have a <laughs> pay a few people right. to be real sad at your funeral. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you're yeah, you're right because like uh, that phrase sackcloth and ashes is you know right. from the Bible. It's something people would do in their grief is they would put on sackcloth instead of their usual robes and clothing and put ashes on their head. Mm-hmm. Right. I had a professor in school once that told me he tried that just because he wanted to see what it was like. He said his wife and kids went to the store for something and he went out into his garage and found some ashes in the in the fire pit that they had and like a potato sack and like Gosh. put it on, like put ashes on his head and sat in his mm. um Garage. In his garage, just in sa- in, in literal sackcloth wow. and ashes, as a way to try to, uh, you know, connect with what may have been yeah. the right. feeling. I've for always felt people. like our generation gets it through like punk rock and like the expulsion of grief through like music. You know, it mm. seems as if music has taken over a lot of that a way of you know sort of expunging those emotions. Sure, yeah. But yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And so that's one example I've seen a lot is that connection with grief. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that's almost more of a, it's just a natural outgrowth of grief. Maybe I just don't want to eat. I think we also see it in the Bible with uh, grief over sin. So it's not always just grief Mm -hmm. over, you know, losing a loved one, something like that. But, um, you know, like we see uh, Jonah bringing his message to Nineveh Mm -hmm. and that was their response. You know, they fasted, they fasted, they, you know. Uh, very deep grief, you know, where it was like national, like across yeah. across the city, everyone was forced to to do this. Yeah, there's definitely an element of repentance in it. Um, uh, the story that I think a lot about is David and Bathsheba. When uh, God tells him that the child is going to die, he fasts for that whole period, hoping that God will uh, forgive his sin and save the child. Um, and then as soon as the child dies... He gets up and goes and eats, right? Um, and the servants are like, uh, why are you doing this? Like, the child died. You should be fasting now, you know? And uh, David tells them, uh, no, I was fasting while the child was still living because I was hoping that God would, you know, make the child live. Uh, but now that he's dead, you know, I know where he's, I know that he's in heaven is kind of the implication that he gives. Like, I I know that I'll see him again, Hmm. you know? Um, yeah, it's, that's a, that's a very interesting story because it's like, yeah, uh, David is confronted because of his sin with Bathsheba and mm -hmm. having her husband killed. Um, and the, the consequences are that God says his son that he had had with Bathsheba is going to die. And he, fasts for those days like you said as an mm-hmm. attempt to try to earn the favor of God and maybe have him turn and I've been so interested da- David is so convinced I think he actually says in that passage that he knows God is a God of mercy yeah and so even though he knows he deserves that punishment yeah he still is fasting in in attempt to appeal to God's mercy and I sent both of you guys a podcast that I had listened to where a guy was referencing that and he mm-hmm. thought maybe He's speculating that maybe that could have been part of the idea with fasting is that the early Jews were so convinced that God cares for the, 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 the widow, the orphan, the poor, the hungry, you know, the, the least of these, the Mm. the needy God cares about those people. That's who God is so focused on that they would fast in an attempt to have God focus his attention on them, you know, get God's attention, which is just like, you know, I'm hungry too. I'm hungry too. Yeah. And, and, and they use that example of David, right. especially cause like, what is a, a wealthy King who has everything he needs has, you know, all these wives, all this wealth, all of this, uh, grandeur. How is someone like that who has everything he needs supposed to get the attention of a God who, who cares the most about the, the poor and the needy and the hungry. Mm. And so he's like, well, I'm hungry too. Come pay attention <laughs> yeah. to me. Maybe could be part right, of what right. the role that fasting was supposed to play. And that's always been, that's just interesting to me that that could have possibly been a connection with how fasting became so central to them is that they were a people who served a God who cared about the, the needy and the hungry. And so in a way to, to make, sh- to connect with him, they would 
purposely make themselves right. those needy, hungry people. Yeah, yeah. And we, I think you bring up a good point with like the abundance of wealth makes it makes fasting a bit more uh, complicated, even because. And I was thinking about this when when the sermon was when I was preaching the sermon is like the the hard thing about fasting in particular is that like it's kind of a upper class middle class kind of discipline you know mm. like if you're really poor and lack food in your day then you're like you're not gonna fast because you're naturally you don't have enough food in the day right. you know I was, just, I was just thinking about like how someone that's in like a third world country would listen to my sermon you know mm-hmm. as i'm talking about like fasting and, and if i were to preach like uh you know, you need to do this kind of thing that's like going to bring you into like the spiritual ecstasy kind of life um, and how they would receive that. Because like, you know, for them, they go days sometimes without food at all um, and not because of any desire for a spiritual development just because of how life has panned right. out they're for not, them. They're not volunteering. For they're that. not volunteering <laughs> for that, you know. And so I. I I want to be careful with the whole issue as a whole, which is kind of why I took the slant I did is because it it does seem to be something that you do out of the abundance that you already have and then negate the abundance you already have. Um, yeah. Fast fasting is a first world problem. Like yeah, yeah, when to fast. Yeah. yeah. When to we're fast. Having this can, can mm-hmm. this, the whole question of like, when should we fast? Should you fast? Should you not fast? Yeah. Those are questions that you only ask if you're not, already hungry right? <laughs> if right. you have plenty and that is a good point to always uh kind of keep in mind that the, the the blessings that that we have been given the fact that yeah. we don't go hungry um that's always my prayer you know when i pray before meals you know that's pretty common christian practice and i grew up always you know we always prayed before meals and mm-hmm. uh do it at home now you didn't too, get pre-blessed food i always got pre-blessed did not food. get the pre-blessed food <laughs> uh and um i always try to make that a major part of my prayer before eating is just a acknowledgement of the fact that i have never uh been hungry outside of my own mm. decision to go without yeah like right. like i've never I've never been forced to be hungry for lack of food or lack of mm-hmm. um, resources. The only times I don't have it is when I choose to go without. And that's, um, that's a real, a, a real privilege to decide when to go hungry. Right. And right. That is an important thing to, to kind of keep in mind. And so I've heard some of those things, but overall it is interesting how not, there is no consensus on yeah. what the purpose of fasting is. Yes, yeah, basically we've laid out, okay, repentance, mourning, self-discipline, maybe, not really. Um, you know, like there's all, you can start to see that each, the that people did it differently. You mm-hmm. know, some people did it to mourn, some people did it to for discipline purposes, some people did it for um, just random different things. You know, there's yeah. no like one concise definition of what fasting is what's the purpose of it right right and it's important to us to 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 mention that i think especially Mm -hmm. we you know we all here as as leaders in churches as ministers i think we probably have this temptation to pretend like we have answers to everything sometimes Mm right we may not and um i think all three of us know that there is a value and sometimes we're like i don't know no Mm -hmm. no no i'm not 100 percent sure um We've talked about some of the suggestions, some of the speculations that people might have. We know that it's a practice that's common in the ancient culture and, and in other religions as well. I mean, like I mentioned, Islam has a a yearly fast that's mm. a very regular part of their practices. So it's obviously something that has been a part of a lot of religious practice for a lot of people. Mm. But at least in Christianity, it is interesting how there is not any direct call to fast or a direct explanation for why we fast. Hmm. And, um, I think that's really important to keep in mind. I, I have been a part of, not personally, but I've known a few Christians that are part of certain churches and certain denominations and certain traditions that 
try to like force people to fast and they say you fast because of this reason and you know they're maybe almost kind of judgmental of people that don't fast mm. and i think it's important for us to realize that there is no direct clear spiritual commandment about fasting in yeah. the bible and or clear explanation <laughs> about what even the purpose of fasting is so mm. I think that's important for us to remember is just have a little bit of humility, check some of your total assurance sometime <laughs> and realize uh, there may be some room for for differences of, of, of practice in this particular mm. area. So as we're kind of finishing up, we got a few minutes left. Are there any specific things that y'all wanted to be like, I think this is important to make sure um, we, we uh, mentioned. Yeah, there was one thing I wanted to touch on, which was the actual, um, you know, you had sent me the scripture passage in Matthew six, mm-hmm. uh, that talks about, you know, when you fast, right. You know, so obviously it was something that, you know, Jewish people did in right. Jesus day. And so he comments on that and basically talks about like making sure that when you do it, you're not doing it outwardly, you know, mm-hmm. make sure you, you put oil in your hair, you wash your face, you look yeah. presentable, you don't look like you're suffering. You don't right. look like you're, you know, doing this to yourself so that no one really knows that you're doing it. Um, and so, of course, he's applying that specifically to fasting, but like you pointed out earlier, he, he kind of uses that same idea with um, when you're you know giving money, when you're praying, all these right. things. Uh, and so I think we can take that and, and certainly apply it to different you know, aspects of our spiritual life. And, and it speaks to, you know, why are we doing it? What's the motivation mm-hmm. for fasting or for praying or for uh, giving to the needy? Right. You know, are we doing it to get the accolades of men or are we doing it to please God? Yeah. And I think that is a good um, thing to bring it back around to bring it back Mm -hmm. around to that original passage we were talking about Um, because the application is pretty wide, you know, yeah, we've all talked about fasting isn't a common thing in our Mm -hmm. day and age. Um, But that doesn't mean that we can't apply the truths of what Jesus is saying in lots of other areas of our lives. And, um, there really is a value and an importance in making sure that our, our heart is kind of in the right place with our actions. Mm. Um, I had mentioned a little bit before we came on camera that, uh, uh, Jacob Dooley, uh, he's one of our ministers that's been helping us out here at the church too, has been helping me with some TikTok stuff, Mm -hmm. which has been a, a fun experience to, I feel like an old man every time I log onto that app and don't understand any of the jokes. But um, you've gotten really into it, though. I would it say. is. I've, it's, I've it's enjoyed like it. Yeah. It's it's like my escape because it is so. All of the other social media is like a dumpster fire right now, mm. just like angry people <laughs> screaming at each other over different things, and TikTok is so like. There's, there's so little substance to it. It's just like jokes and dances and like, you know, nothing, uh, nothing of, of, of eternal significance, I would say. Right. Um, and it's kind of nice sometimes to just be like, I just want to like, just laugh a little bit and, and relax and, you know, some different things like that. So I have enjoyed it, but, uh, Jacob took a clip from one of my sermons a couple of weeks ago that he posted mm. on there. And I was talking about, um, you know, we were talking about the Lord's prayer and how Jesus starts it with Mm. this phrase, our father and how important it is that for Christians to relate to God as a, as a father. Mm. And an application I made was a point that one of my friends in, uh, in, in grad school used to say all the time. Uh, there's this phrase people use all the time about the importance of dressing up when you go to church. Mm. You know, uh, I've heard a lot of people say, you gotta, you gotta wear a suit and tie, gotta Mm. be real dressed up when you go to church. And they would use this analogy of, visiting the president, you know, they're like, if any of you were going to visit the president, you wouldn't wear a t-shirt and jeans, you would put on a suit or something like that. And so they were like, we should do the same if we're visiting God, so to speak. And, uh, my friend, it was my friend, Ben, who said this, and I used his quote in the sermon. He said, all of that makes sense. Unless the president is your father. (laughs) He said, if the president is your dad, it would be really weird if every time you went in to see him, you're like, wait, hold on. Let me, let me get my suit. Let me get my tie. Yeah. Let me, let me, right. let me, let me get dressed up before I go see my dad. Right. And that relationship of, 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 of father is, um, important to, 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 to kind of keep in mind. Um, and so, you know, I made that point. He took that clip, posted on TikTok. A lot of people liked it, but you know, it got, it got a lot of views actually. It was really interesting. 
But anytime it starts to get some traction like that, you get a few people who are like, oh, I don't agree with this. But one person on had TikTok. A, what's that? I'm surprised that someone with that, you know, kind of frame of I mind would too. be on TikTok. I, I was, I was too. And there was a, a direct response from somebody that I thought was a good response. They said, all of this makes sense, but they said, kind of continuing the analogy, what if the president is your father? And you were at all you were attending an event that was being held in his honor to to, you know, give him some some praise that is due him. You would probably wear a suit at that point, you know, like maybe your dad's the president and he's receiving some medal or some, you know, mm. prize or something like that. And everyone is there to honor your father. You would probably wear a suit in that situation. And th- they were implying that's what they think church is. They think right. church gatherings are everybody getting together to praise and honor and worship God. And, you know, if we're continuing that analogy, that makes sense to me. And that's what I said. I, I, I filmed a little video response uh, to them. And I'm like, I, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think that's a good point. But to kind of bring it all around, my part of my response to them, though, was the, the reason I think it's more important than than any of the externals is your heart and your motivation behind it. So I do know some people that that's why they dress up to go to church because they view it as a way to honor God and his majesty and all this kind of stuff. And I would never want to force one of those people to not continue to dress up because their heart is in it. It's a, it's an attempt and it's an action that they take in in an attempt to honor God. The problem is more the people who do it out of obligation, who don't have a heart or a desire to worship and honor God. And in my response, I compared it to the, uh, the Pharisees, uh, and, and a lot of the Jewish, uh, teachers of the law. Jesus is regularly criticizing them for their external actions that don't match up with the heart. Their heart is actually, you know, not in it. Their, their heart desires to be praised by men and to, you know, and, and he says, um, at one point he calls them whitewashed tombs mm-hmm. inside they're full of of death and uncleanness as far as the Jews were concerned outside they're clean and whitewashed but inside they're not <clears throat> and uh i i do think that dressing up for church was a version of that for a lot of people you know it was like a uh, just something you do their heart was not in this desire to honor God, but it was maybe to be like, hey, look how nice my right. outfit is, or look, I'm, I'm a good, respectable person who wears my Sunday best to church. And so ultimately, I do think that that's the, the, the best application when it comes to any action that we're taking, right. you know, rather than focusing too much on the actions themselves, the practices themselves, and trying to say, you should do this, or you shouldn't do this. Um, the, the best way to kind of navigate that is looking at what is the motivation or the heart behind those actions. Mm. And that oftentimes will define whether the action is good or not. It's, mm. it's less about the action itself and more about the heart behind it. Mm. So if one person is fasting with a heart that is in a, a, a desire to grow closer to God or to please him and things like that, I, I could see that being a good thing. Mm. Um, but like Jesus is saying, if you're fasting and you just make yourself look awful and you tell everyone in the world, hey, right. by the way, I'm not eating today, I'm fasting, just as a way to get praise from other people, then you can you kind of believe, like Jesus said, that's the only reward you're going to get. Yeah. Yeah. You're not I had a, a friend one time, actually, he was fasting and, and we would hang out and he was trying to do that. He was trying to, to you know, kind of do that whole practice where he didn't let anybody know, but right. we were hanging out when it was about lunchtime. We're like, Hey, we're going to get, we're going to get some <laughs> food. And he's like, no, I'm good. I'm like, why, why, you know, yeah. Yeah. like, can you not afford it? Like, well, I'll cover you. It's fine. Like, why don't you come and eat with us? Uh-huh. You know, and trying to get, you know, the time of fellowship and everything. Uh-huh. He's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. But he really <laughs> didn't want to tell us <laughs> yeah. that he was fasting. So yeah. like, we're having to like pull it out of him <laughs> why he's not eating. So I yeah. think it can be, you know, kind of an awkward situation. It is. It is. It's, uh, I actually had, it was really funny. I had someone that I won't 
say who, but I had someone that was very close to me that was fasting the same week that I was preparing for the sermon. Hmm. And I'm the only one that knew that this person was fasting. And so it was just interesting because he was trying to do the same thing. Uh, it was interesting to see how he <laughs> kind of dodged so many people right. like, you know, asking, you know, cause I would be cooking in the house and you never, you never, I like for me, I never became more aware of just like how, like when you're cooking in a space, like, that can be like hard for other people in the space <laughs> if they're fasting, you know? Right. Uh, it's a, there's a lot of like yeah. things like that, but, um, yeah. And, and so that is one of those unique to Christianity things that is so interesting, whether it's mm-hmm. fasting or not. Right. Since like we're not that. all doing it, you yeah. know, for the Jewish people, it was like, everybody's fasting. Yeah. It's Thursday. Everyone's right. fasting. Of right. course yeah. it's Thursday. And, um, and so, yeah, it was just this, uh, it it is this interesting thing, extra thing that Christians have to navigate a little mm-hmm. bit sometimes. Of being like, um, well, and someone brought up to, to me like, like there was apparently like a big deal over um, Chris Pratt, who's like apparently like a public Christian, like announcing that he was like fasting because of some things or whatever, and how like you know he people were like that's wrong well no 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 just like the no one was really criticizing him everybody was like oh he's a great christian for like publicizing that like he's fasting because of like i think he was having like marital problems or something like that Mm. and so he like went on twitter and said like i'm gonna go through a fast while Mm. i work through this stuff and like you know just thinking about like the question is that like something we should be doing or not you know yeah Um, and that that's an interesting difficulty of this application of this mm-hmm. passage i guess because i think and, about it with like tim tebow as well just like yeah. all the sorts of different like christian personalities right you know? right because there's this there's this extra difficulty people have sometimes of like is the correct application of this passage then to just never talk about anything good that right, right right and 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 i think that's an interesting conversation to have unfortunately we're kind of running out of yeah. time so i don't want to go too far down that rabbit hole but one thing i will say is um, I think Jesus is, is more countering the, the, the negative way that these people would engage mm-hmm. in these public practices. I don't think he is actually condemning publicizing good deeds. Yeah. Um, I, I would agree with that. I think it's one of those things where like, if you want to make sure that you're doing it for the right reason, then do it when no one else is going to know about it you know right that's a that's a good it's way not that to you ensure. can't let them know it's just that yeah like if yes. you want to make sure you know for yourself yeah mm-hmm. it's not like jesus is saying i a new command i give you never talk publicly about any good thing that you do right you can't and, pray around other people right you can only do it in a <laughs> only closet in, only <laughs> right. inside in in in, in, in a solitude and the example i give to that all the time is the fact that we have the gospels and as a public demonstration as as yeah. written public records of the good things that right. all of the early mm-hmm. Christians did. So obviously it's not wrong to publicize the good that we do because, you know, John even says that's why he wrote the gospel mm-hmm. of John was right. so that we would know all the good things that Jesus did and believe that he is the Messiah. So, I, I, yeah. And I same think, with the book of Acts. It's yeah. this it's this set of stories showing, hey, look at all of the good things that right. the um the the apostles did yeah. in the early church and, and I, as i was thinking about that i think there's a difference between like maybe like a public service announcement you know and uh and like a flare announcement mm-hmm. if uh, not flare but y- you know what i mean like in a and a very like showy announcement like yeah. there's kind of a difference between um yeah, if your friends are all going out to lunch and you're like, hey, I'm fasting right now, so yeah. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. There's difference between that versus walking in the door and saying, you know, no one's even mentioned it. And you're just like, hey, by the way, I'm fasting, so nobody give me anything. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, like, uh, exactly. It's right. Like, it's almost the this, humble brag. Right. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. exactly right. <laughs> yeah. It, there's, it, there's almost a like it's a, it's almost a way that you do it versus like the actual doing of it. Right. But yeah. And so just all to kind of sum it all up. <laughs> I do think it all just comes back to the the state of your heart and your desire mm-hmm. um, in that place. And I think the whole Sermon on the Mount is kind of summed up in that way. Jesus is really focusing on the importance of having your heart in the right place, your motivations in Absolutely. the right place. Um, and the actions and the externals will kind of fall into place with that. So 
like I said, we could talk about this for forever. It's one of those things that doesn't have a lot of con, uh, consistency or a lot of consensus on what it actually means. But um, I would encourage you, any of you that are listening or watching, you know, maybe do some research yourself. Um, see what you believe about some of these issues. Um, check some of the things we've said. Mm-hmm. Go reference some of those Bible verses. It's always a good practice. We always encourage that for sure. Um, and uh, just help us kind of continue that conversation as Christians that are growing and trying to learn how to serve the Lord better ourselves. Um, As we finish up here, I want to, you know, encourage any of you that are are listening or watching uh, to tune in this Sunday for our, um, our live stream service. It's our Easter Sunday service. Mm. We're really excited about it. We've been preparing a lot of special components that, um, are looking awesome. I've been doing some videos and stuff. I'm real excited about it. So if you guys <laughs> want to see it, tune in this Sunday, seven o'clock. I think you're going to really like what we, um, are, are, are doing. Um, is there anything in particular that you want people to engage with, with, with what you're doing, Tom, anywhere you'd like, uh, anything uh, you'd yeah, like to have, plug? I mean, we have our Facebook page for Crockett Mills Christian church. So That's perfect. You know, cool. we, That'd we be a good way to go, go on and there. give them a like, uh, pay attention to some of the things that they're doing over yeah, there. I do really like what Tom is doing over at Crockett Mills. Um, and so I want to encourage you guys to, you know, engage with the things that we're doing. Definitely tune in this Sunday. Um, if not with either of those, we'll see y'all next week for our following deep dive. I want to thank all of you for joining and we hope that you have a blessed week. Mm-hmm. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.